0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. We're going to talk about hope today. Hope. And uh, I was thinking, not like the hope I had yesterday when the game between Carolina and Mississippi State started, because I pretty much lost hope without middle way through that game. But uh, but then I got it back again. you know. And so I'm talking about hope, the hope that is... Just a confident expectation of something that hasn't happened yet, but you know it will. That's from Tim Keller. I'm not that smart to say that stuff. Hope is that that confident expectation that something that hasn't happened yet you know will. And the text I want to base our talk on today is in Romans 15. So if you've got a Bible or you want to look on the screen here uh, or perhaps uh, uh, some other, uh, your phone I want to read read through it through first and then make some comments on it relative to hope as taught by the Apostle Paul. Romans 15, beginning with verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another in Christ as God has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we pray now that your words would strengthen Correct, help your people for you've preserved your word so that we might hear from you. So I pray, Father, that during this time together that your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill the people who are gathered in this place that they might hear from you. That you would reach deep into the souls, their hearts, their minds. To touch where they need the touch from you. But above all, I pray that you would restore and renew hope in us. We who are followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father. Who art in heaven And all God's people said, amen, amen. We don't, excuse me, we don't really know who planted the Christian church in Rome. uh, Because there's there's not a a text where it will tell you that this person planted a church in Rome. I I suspect, though, that in in Acts chapter 2... Is, when, is, is the day of Pentecost, which was celebrated by all the, the Jewish people. Uh, the crowds in Jerusalem are sometimes, you know, uh, maybe even over 100, 200,000 people. But the people are all gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled the church, filled the people who were born-again disciples. He, he filled them. And it was just a marvelous, wonderful day. And what they tell us in Acts chapter 2 is that there were a lot of people there who lived in other places like Rome uh, in, in Africa and, and Europe and other places, and, but they were all gathered there in Rome, I mean, in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So when, when the Holy Spirit came on them One of the things the text tells us in Acts 2.10 is that there were people there from Rome. So I think it's a fair suggestion that the people that were there on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, when they went back home to Rome, they took the gospel with them. And they told the people there all about the good news of of jesus christ and so that's how that particular church got planted there and that church was growing and so paul is paul is writing to them. matter of fact we know that rome was actually the place that paul was executed for his faith and so was peter prior to doing that though, no, he He wrote this letter to to the Romans. I I personally believe that the the letter to the Romans and the letter to the Ephesians were not written just for those churches, but for all of the churches and therefore down through time for us as well. I think it's important to know the context of the church in Rome we tend to think that, uh, that we've always been kind of most favored status, you know, that everybody was so glad that all the Christians were around and that churches were here and all that kind of stuff. And that's just not the case. Jesus said that if you're going to be one of his followers, followers, you will be persecuted. You will be opposed. You, the, the world's not going to rise up and love you. Because because it is the gospel is transforming the world that is under the control of the world, the flesh, and the devil. God is transforming that by the gospel. And so it's going to oppose that in every way you can. And in the first century of the Christian church, persecution was rather normal. It's happened all the times. We, we uh, uh, Joyce and I had our... Uh, that gum, I forgot already again. Uh, have, we had an anniversary <laughs> recently. It's over 50. I just don't know how far over 50. Um, but we, we went to Italy. We saved our money and went to Italy. And one of the things that uh, it was so memorable, I, it's still it's an, an emotional memory. We toured the Colosseum. That they there were the, the places where they kept the gladiators and, and the people that were, and the animals and all that kind of stuff and, and, and those they were going to fight they kept all of them kind of hidden away somewhere but there was a little doorway where they come out into the middle of this giant area in the Colosseum and right there at that doorway there's a small cross small white cross and that cross is put there in honor of the thousands who were martyrs for the Christian faith. See, we, we consider being marginalized by the, by the culture or, or having somebody say something unpleasant about us. We just We know our rights. <laughs> I was just, uh, I read a story this morning that Auburn University had a kind of, sort of revival recently, and uh, 200 people were baptized into the faith. There's an organization that is now threatening Auburn because the Head football coach was one of those who participated in the baptisms and they're threatening Auburn to say look that's unconstitutional you can't sponsor anything like that and so if you like me though my first my first reaction is oh yeah you know but it's not the right response so, I mean, we face some opposition and some marginalization today. You, you'd almost have to be blind not to see it. I mean, all you've got to do is just tell somebody that you believe that sex is reserved for marriage, or that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. All you have to do is just say you're there, and immediately you become one of them. And so we ha- we have to deal with it, but we haven't had to deal with anything like the first century Christians did i read I read a story this morning that in in the African country of Eritrea, hundreds have been arrested because they're Christians, and they're praying asking us to please. Please pray for them. There's a whole, whole website, The Voice of the Martyrs, It shows us where persecution is going on all over the world. I mean, that sort of thing. That, not, my point is not to just say, ain't it awful. I, that's not what I'm, what I want you to do. I want you to understand that Christianity has been opposed since it began. It's not a new thing. Whether it is violent or Merely marginalization, it's still opposition. So it, sh- it shouldn't surprise us that people might be afraid. Matter of fact, there was, a, I think I mentioned this last week, there was, a, there was a test the Roman government would give you to make sure you were a good guy or not. And they would say, um, Kaiser, which is Latin for Caesar, kaiser and your answer should be kurios which is greek for lord and what that means is in the roman culture you had to believe caesar is lord and if you didn't say kaiser kurios or caesar is lord then you could be executed Do you know what the primary confession of first century Christians was? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We're free today to say that Jesus is Lord. In those days it was not. And so when Paul is writing to The people at Rome, he's trying to encourage them and strengthen them because under those conditions, it is easy to become discouraged. It is easy to lose hope or to abandon hope. Or worse than that, to begin to place your hope in somewhere other than Jesus Well, how do those of us who are believers in Christ, how, how do we maintain our hope? How do we get it in the first place and then maintain and strengthen that hope? Well Paul is writing to the church at Rome, not just because they're a nice group of people that he's met one time and he just wants to say, "Hey, how y'all doing?" He knows what they're going through. He knows what they're facing and that's why he wrote what he wrote. In, those, in the first few verses, he talks about, I love it, he says, those of us, we who are strong in the faith have an obligation. We who are strong in the faith. Now, it's very easy for those today to say, well, I'm not that strong in the faith. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a newbie. I just got baptized a couple of weeks ago or, Or I've never really been discipled, or I'm not really strong. Listen, wherever you are, there's always people who are going to be stronger than you, and there are always people who are not as strong as you. So so if you are wherever you are, God will place people in your life and say, listen, there's some people you need to strengthen, you need to help, you need to be an encourager to. You know, he says specifically, he uses the word failings, I think, in the first verse, It says we're responsible or obligated to to care for or to bear the burdens, literally to carry the burden of those who are weak. And it's translated by some as infirmity or sicknesses or stuff like that, but it's also meant to be those who are weak in the faith. Those of us who are strong in the faith have an obligation to help, to come alongside, to encourage, to strengthen, to build up those who are not yet as strong. And then over in verse four he refers to the to the scripture and talks about the writings that that god has preserved through the years the writings of the fathers and it's interesting because he quotes moses david and isaiah and what he, what he's doing he, he's speaking to a, a group of christians in rome that are made up of jewish people and also Gentile people. Now, if you, in case you didn't know, the word Gentile means not Jew. You're in, in in their understanding, you were either Jewish or Gentile. You were either Jewish or not Jewish. And so he's writing to say, one of the problems in the early church is that some some of the Jewish believers didn't want to accept the Gentile believers and some of the Gentile believers didn't want to accept some of the Jewish believers and so their faith was kind of convoluted because they each had little rules you know we can do this but we can't do that we can say this but we can't say that what what do you mean working on Saturday you know this is the Sabbath all of those kind of things were what they were doing and so Paul reminds them that God has given us scripture to, to preserve for that and he points out that the scriptures that promised the Messiah were in the Old Testament the prophets of old prophesied that Jesus would not just be the savior of the Jews but of the Gentiles he promised that through Moses through David and also through Isaiah and so in verses seven five through seven he tries to tries to connect these people saying, look you guys are not supposed to be divided You're you're united in Christ, and the source of your unity is not that you're all of one ethnicity or that you all were born in this country or that you all speak this language. The unifying factor in the Christian church is Jesus Christ alone. We are one in Christ. And that was what Paul was was saying to these days. But these were people who were suffering. Some of them were were losing hope, particularly as they saw the games, as they called them, at the Colosseum, where people died for their faith. Christians being burned at the stake. Things along those lines did happen. And what he says is, listen, rather than isolate yourself from people who are different from you, welcome them. Herschel Hobbes said it a couple of years ago, one of the theologians for Southern Baptist Life. He said, We don't have to be twins to be brothers. And that is so true. We're one in Christ. I don't know how many of you were in Sunday school when you were children. I was. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Because they are precious to God, they are precious to us. We who are their brothers and sisters in Christ. And finally, during this text here, Paul just says, look, I, I need to refocus you guys on what truly hope is about. He, said, he says, <laughs> you know, that your hope in your, of God and everything, it, your hope comes from God. And I pray that the God of hope and all joy and peace will fill you in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Not just have a little bit of hope, but a lot of hope. Abound in it. Abound in it. I would suggest to you that it's my opinion, Kurt's opinion. My name's Kurt, by the way. It's my opinion that uh, a lot of people who walked with Jesus years ago maybe have kind of fallen away. Matter of fact, I talked about it last week, you know, about Daniel and those men how they do those kind of things to get you drawn away. And it's entirely possible that those of us who, who we're, we're fairly consistently present on Sundays, um, but during the week, sometimes we find ourselves just not as filled with hope as we used to be. Just like we think, you know, it's all going downhill. It's all going away. It's all going terrible. It's never going to get any better. Well, I want, to, I want to share with you that that is from the pits of hell. For our hope is not in anything on this earth. It is in Christ alone. That's where our hope is. So these days, I I think those of us us who are continuing to walk with Jesus, we're not perfect. We know that. I want to suggest to you that there are some practices, some regular practices in our life that diminish our hope. And there's also some practices in our life that strengthen it. So I want to recommend three strengthening things, direct from the text, I think. Things to strengthen your hope. See, I don't know where you all are. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you, your hope is dwindling or whether you're just as strong as you've ever been in your life or, or whether you're just, you know, you're starting over. You know, one of the guys asked me when they found out I had COVID. They said, How are you doing, Bradford? And I said, Well, I'm I'm never down. I'm either up or getting up. Maybe you're down now. Maybe today can be the first day of your getting up. Let me suggest to you three things that will strengthen your hope. The first thing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. In verse 13, Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you abound in hope. Now, there's certain hope you can have, you know, like like, I hope I get this job or or, I hope Carolina wins or, or I hope this guy will ask me out on a date or whatever it is that you're hoping. Those are all things. I think those probably come under the category of wish rather than hope. But there are certain things that you want to say, God, I need Holy Spirit hope. Fill me with the Spirit of God so that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is in the Lord. See, this, this is where... Some of us think that, you know, that this dealing with the Holy Spirit is just something that Pentecostals do and not us Baptists. Bless your heart. (laughs) Bless your heart. The Holy Spirit of God is the Spirit of God that comes to live in anyone who has been born again. And that Spirit of God gives you the strength to do the things that you can't do. Matter of fact, he even strengthens you in your sufferings. Look at verses uh, in Romans 5. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Let me just say to you, this is Kurt's opinion. I don't think it's going to get easier to walk with Jesus. Now, I'm not a, a gloomy-doomy guy. I mean, you know, I'm not a negative guy. I'm just, I'm just saying what I think Jesus said. It's not gonna get easier to walk with Jesus. You may lose some friends. You may lose some family to walk with Jesus if you choose to, to walk the ways of Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you endurance. Endurance, and that endurance produces character, and character produces hope. See, what God is, hope is not just a matter of something that you mentally do. It's actually who you are. Are you a person of hope? Are you a hopeful person? See, that comes from the Holy Spirit. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not necessarily. Uh, that you're able to do some things that you were not able to do before, like speaking a language you didn't learn or, or to heal somebody. It could very well be both of those things. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not necessarily to be able to do great things so much as it is to say, Holy Spirit, all of me is yours. All of me. You have my money, my body, my mind, my work, my days. It all belongs to you. Fill me, oh Holy. Fill every part of my life. Every part of my day. I have to do that rather regularly now. Because the I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but the older you get, your body begins to wear out. That's news. And all the young people are going, dang. It's just one of those kind of things. So so there are times when you say, like, I just can't go on. I just can't go on. And God's the Holy Spirit fills you up. And you say, oh, God, fill this body, fill this mind, fill my activities so that I grow in you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Christ called the Holy Spirit the Helper. He is the one who will help you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he will bring to your mind the things that you have learned and read and heard from the second thing that strengthens your hope from the Bible. See, Paul talked about it. In verse 4, he says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. He's referring to the Scripture here. And he's talking about the writings of not just the apostles, but the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, when he's quoting some of the passages about uh, the Old Testament, he quotes Moses, David, and Isaiah. All three of them. He quotes them all saying that the Holy Spirit... Will teach you and bring to mind his his scripture, which says to you, "There needs to be a time where God is speaking into your life from His Word, giving you teaching, instruction, guidance, encouragement, correction, all of those things." And what Paul is suggesting to us is that we need we need to have the Word of God implanted in us. That's why some of one of the uh, I remember, Joe, back when we were first talking a lot about disciplines, and we talked about scripture memorization. And practically everybody over 50 says, well, I can't memorize scripture. Well, I agree, you can't. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can empower you and enable you to remember scripture. But you've got to put it in there which means more than simply reading a devotional book. Now, I don't want to put down devotional books. They're great. I love them. But listen, this is the Word of God. When you read what a a, devotional books are primarily, here's what God said to somebody else. You need that time where God speaks to you, where the first words you're hearing are from Him to say, here's what I want to teach you today. And then you take that and you think about that and, and reflect on that and say, Lord, what are you, what are you teaching me here? I, I want to do this. This is one of the things I've, I've discovered today that uh, made a lot of discoveries in my old age, but one of them is we don't know how to be still and reflect. We've got to be doing something or thinking something or saying something rather than Sitting quietly before the Lord. The Lord speaks to you through the scripture. This morning in one of the Psalms in my reading was Psalm 103 that said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I pause there a moment. I've been blessed all my life. I've had some stuff, sure. (laughs) But I've been blessed all my life. God has chosen to save me, to keep me on the earth, (laughs) to fill me and to speak to me through His Word. And this morning I said, Lord, may I never forget all you have done for me all of my life. That's when God, God is speaking to you through. And, and it's, Jesus doesn't speak to me through his Holy Spirit because I went to seminary. God loves you that much too. You will discover that in his word, he'll be speaking to you, touching that place that you need to have Touched. But there's gotta be a moment where you hear from God and you reflect on that. Dedicating time to think about it. I use the illustration in the first service that I was really late for a meeting a couple of weeks ago. And now the first thing I do every morning is I well, it's actually the second thing. The first thing is I push the button, cut the coffee on. But, but, but the first thing I do is I, w- I want God to speak to me from His Word before I speak to Him. So I, I, was, I was doing it, and I was in a hurry a few weeks ago, and somehow I'd gotten up late. I'm sure it's Joyce's fault. But somehow I'd gotten up late, and uh, I got in the car, and I was, I was driving to my meeting. My meeting was in Mount Pleasant, and, and uh, so what I did was I didn't have my time alone with the Lord. So I got my phone out, and uh don't do this by the way you any of y'all ever do this you know or 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 like this you know you beep beep you the guy behind you saying look will you go please I mean but anyway I got my phone out and I said well what was the scripture for this morning And I remember, and I used this one thumb that doesn't have arthritis to to locate it. And I got the scripture, and I started listening to the scripture. And it was just as if the Lord said, "Well, thanks for working me in. You have such a busy life. And and that it just it hit me how I had prioritized. It wasn't that the meeting was sin. There's nothing wrong with the meeting but God gets first hearing from him how easy it is to move away from that and so as I was listening to it driving down the road at obviously the speed, the speed limit I was trying to reflect on the text but did you know there are bad drivers in Charleston yeah they are I don't know how they know what time I go out, but they, they, they seem to be able to find me every day. But, but what I, I started trying to reflect on the text, but I was paying attention to the traffic on the interstate, and I was criticizing many of them and elevating myself at the same time, you know, all of, all of that. But it was just thinking, so this is reflection time. You're going, to, you're going to work me in. Listen, let me, let me just say to you, if you want to be strong in hope, you cannot work God in. You cannot give him the moments that are left over when you don't have anything else to do. Or as one fellow said, well, I said, do you do your daily Bible reads? He said, yeah, generally between the end of the first program and the beginning of the second one. Really? Give that time to God to reflect. To think about, let God's Spirit speak to you. For whether you know it or not, Jesus said, God is at work in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He uses the Bible to transform you. Then the third thing is biblical community. Biblical community. I had to clarify it and make the adjective biblical because I'm not just talking about having friends that go to church. Biblical community is, is different than just community. Right, look at verse five and six. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, uh, the, the word that's translated you in this is a plural. It's not just singular. It's plural, which is a community of faith. Discipleship is lived in community. We really do need each other to be strong. We really do need others who will come alongside of us and help us bear up, help us carry the burden. People that will be our partners in faith. All all of these things, these are not add-ons or do it if you have time it's like in the in the life of a fully devoted disciple of jesus christ the holy spirit the bible and biblical community are not optionals they're essentials that means they're necessary for you to grow strong in the faith for you to be strong particularly if my somewhat prophetic word that things are not going to get a, a whole lot better let's pray i never know who god brings to these services or who watches them online or anything like that but Sometimes I'm tempted to try to say something that was for everybody and I, I, I can't do that. Only God the Spirit can do that. But I wanna to say to you that if, if, if you're hearing what I'm saying and somehow you, your hope is dwindling or maybe you have less hope than you used to have or worse than that, may, perhaps you've been placing your hope in something else in the economy, in politics, in science, in strength of your body or military or something, if somehow you have placed your hope that should only be in Jesus somewhere else, the good news is Christ says, I forgive you come home I want my hope and my faith to be in Christ alone I want you to be my hope so father I pray now that you would through your spirit would refocus and strengthen us we who are your disciples Lord Jesus fill us Holy Spirit so that we may abound in hope. Fill us, Holy Spirit, so that we may come to the scripture as if we're talking face to face to you, Lord Jesus. And move us, Holy Spirit, to pursue genuine biblical community so that we will grow in hope and in faith. Father, I pray now that you would show each one of your people here they need to do based on whatever you've told them today. I don't depend on what I said. Your spirit, I hope, is at work in your people, so please have your own way. Lord, I pray you would renew our hope in you. I pray that you would revive our peace and our joy and hope in hoping in you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that not only River Bluff, but for every believer on planet Earth, especially those who are currently being persecuted or suffering for their faith, restore their hope in you, Lord Jesus gospel. I pray all of these things in your name, Lord Jesus, because I believe.